going to be good. I think this is going to be an excellent show and it's very full of content. And I, I, I genuinely believe it's one of the best shows that we've had. So listeners, you're in for a treat and, and get ready. Put your seatbelts on. It's about to, the shit's about to hit the fan and it's going to go down. Welcome to Unprovoked Tangents, the podcast. Where our topics have a focus, but our, our tangents, tangents don't. don't. Tune in weekly as we discuss life, love, fashion, politics, and so much more. So, Danny, I'm about to blow your mind, yo. Usually, that's what you do on a weekly, daily, hourly basis. You are oh blowing my, God. my mind. Oh my oh. God, you are such a charmer over there. Quarantine's making you a charmer. I talk to you more than I talk to my, like literally anybody else on, my, on the planet Earth in my life. I talk to you more than that. So you are my, you've become my, my left elbow. Oh, I love that. And you've become my right rib, cool. maybe? That's think, cool. That's cool. I just put the Bible on you. That's fine. Why. I mean, if you want to really go into the Bible, there was supposedly man and woman was created equally, and that was Lilith, and that's how Lilith was the first vampire, by the way, and she preferred to have sex with with Adam while she was on top. Oh my God! If you Google, that's so weird. You just said that she was a succubus. She was called right. So yes. it was because that was created by uh, the old. Is so much archaic stories in that, but you can Google it. And it's like Lilith and Adam were both created equally, both from the land of the earth, blah, blah, blah. However, Lilith didn't obey Adam. Adam complained to God. God told Adam to go to sleep, said to Lilith, be gone. I will give you your own kingdom. You can leave the Garden of Eden. And then while Adam slept, he created Eve and fashioned from his ribs so that it was created from Adam to serve Adam. And then the uh, patriarchy of religion casted Lilith as a story as a succubus that's because she was not obedient to the man it's so crazy which in the 90s there was something called the Lilith festival yes remember and the Lilith festival was named after her because it was an all-women's festival named after Lilith the original woman not Eve but total tangent so sorry but you know what that brings us to (laughs) a really good topic because you talked about equals right and we talked about man and woman being an equal, but also race being an equal, right? Some people just see like, oh, we on our couple last episodes, you were saying we don't see color, so on and so forth. And my friend brought to my attention, which I was like, this is about to be Netflix gold. And it's about to get into my catalog that Rachel Docile has a documentary called Rachel Divide. And for the listeners... Rachel Dossal, that's the black woman, right? Oh, don't you there go there. (laughs) Well, first of all, she identifies as a transracial, a transracial, which I was like, okay, which is someone that basically identifies as the race, which Hmm. is different from their birth. So that's a word, transracial. That sounds very convenient to me. Yeah, you know, but I loved her because I love to hate her for a couple different reasons. Because in 2015, there was like this interview, right? And I'm looking at this woman. I'm like, oh, this is a light-skinned black woman. She got, you know, braids. You know, she's just a light-skinned black woman. My mom is a light-skinned black woman. So I'm thinking, hey, this could be my mom's like cousin or whatever. Wasn't she? Because <laughs> it's coming back to me now that this person and... She was, wasn't she involved with the NAACP in like San Francisco or something like that? She wasn't even just involved. She was the president of the (laughs) (laughs) NAACP, right? Oh my, 
So she does this interview and I think like the interviewer must have done her homework and literally asked her like, oh, so what, what, what are you? What's your background? Right. And she says, oh, I'm black. I'm African-American. And that was just like a layup, like swoosh. Oh, they the set her up. They set they her set up. They set her up. They set her up. And they were like, well, technically, no, you have two parents that are white that are not mixed with anything in relation to black. So how did you arrive at being black when both of your parents are white, Rachel Docile? And it was like a meme and GIF paradise. Not for just black Twitter, but just for all Twitter, all Instagram in 2015. Like Rachel Docile, she was like, taking up headlines for a week. Yep. Like, I swear to God. I remember, and I wasn't really terribly offended. I was like, this is the funniest shit ever. Because this was like the first time that I remember where a white person was like, I fully want to be black to the point where I'm saying that I'm black. And I'm like, this is this is like breaking molds here. This you is know breaking what? molds. I remember that era because I remember making jokes about um, Michael Jackson's kids. So allegedly yeah. those are his biological kids, but they yeah. don't have an ounce of black features, nothing. And it was, we all know there was a white woman. There was like this white woman who did it and, and, and fathered, who did it? No, who, who fathered <laughs> his kids. Right. Um, but there's no way, I'm sorry, it, whether he went through, had vitiligo and, and lost his, his, you know, tone or whatever, he bleached his skin, whoever knows, I don't care. That's not the point. Right. He was born a black man. If he's going to have children, he's going to have black children somehow. And I, it's funny. Like, I don't know. I was making jokes of comparing the two. Like, oh, yeah, maybe she does have. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Like, I wonder if Michael Jackson, if he were alive, by the way, I, I understand. Very controversial. I've seen the documentary still for me, the number one artist as far as music goes, like off the wall thriller. Can't really take that away from him. You know, again, understand what he did, but also I appreciate what he's done for music as well. Whatever. I won't watch the documentary. I won't see it. Because it scars desire. you, right? It, it will scar you for life. It, it's like, to me, it's like finding out God doesn't exist. What's the uh, point? There's no value to that. Uh -huh. Like tomorrow, you know, there's all these rumors speaking of God and we're not going to get into religion. That's We could do that another time. But there's all these rumors and myths and everything that the Roman Catholic church, when they were doing these crusades into the middle East, they actually, you know, they burned down the library of Alexandria, which was probably, they say the library was so big in Egypt that it was bigger than all the museums of the Smithsonian combined. But anyway, they burned mm -hmm. all these books and all the stuff because it spoke about Jesus in a light that they didn't uh, feel aligned with what they were teaching. My point is, there's right. also rumors that the, the Roman Catholic Church, the Vatican, has these vaults of stories or facts about Jesus and his bloodline and all the real stories. My mm. point is, if those stories came out, people are like, we should know the truth. And I don't agree. Even though I agree with the truth, we should know the truth unless it disrupts society as a global state. So if all of a sudden, what would be the point if all of the, these devout Christians found out that Christ really never happened, it would completely explode religion not just for Christianity, but for Islam and everything, right? The right. same I feel about Michael Jackson. I don't need to watch the documentary. <laughs> oh, 
I love how you were, I love how you connect <laughs> Christianity, which like goes back to the olden days, who by the which I think has like 350 plus sects of Christianity, just based upon like one differentiator. Like it has 300 different sects yep. in Back. Christianity. And Back. I love how you're correlating that to you watching the documentary of Michael Jackson and being on the same playing field. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you on my ship for a moment. <laughs> Come, come join my rocket ship without being blasphemous at all. Yes, yes. But Jesus was known to do what? Like, what are some of the miracles he performed? Walking. Oh, you. Oh, here we go. I see you're gonna. I see where you're gonna go. You just walked me right into it. You're gonna say he walked on water, and you're gonna be like, well, well, Michael Jackson moonwalked. I get where you're now, going. Now, if you he watch changed. Michael Jackson moonwalk, you're gonna tell me that he didn't Jesus his ass across that stage. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I feel like it's the only comparison I'm going to make. He Jesus's ass. He floated. That dude had skills. He did not day. change water into wine, though. That was like, come we on. We don't know that. We don't know that. He could have. He had Neverland Ranch. He was definitely changing his skin color, and he was changing. <laughs> so you don't know what other powers Mr. Michael Jackson had. He could have been um, uh, blessed, or or what's the word they called uh, when you have like um. What's that word they call when anointed? He could have been anointed with by the hand of God or something. I'm not saying he was godly, but the dude was the king Damn. of pop and the god of uh, the, the world at a certain point. Just That's like gonna Michael be on Jordan. A t-shirt. That's going to be on a t-shirt. Like Jesus turned water into wine and Michael Jackson turned his skin color from black to white. It's black. You know. <laughs> it's white. It's black. It's white. Remember that? By the way, Tyra Banks, Banks was in that. I just said the same thing. Yes. I love with that. Get out of my brain. Like going back to- It's not to, happening anymore. I, I am literally wearing a denim shirt. What are you wearing? A denim, a shirt. denim shirt. Was this planned listeners or viewers? No, it wasn't. No. Okay. That's how shit works in this unprovoked tangents that we're in. It's a hot mess, just like Rachel Dossier, right? Right. And I love you. So you're giving her like a French last name, Dossier. Rachel Docile. <laughs> oh, well. We don't even know. I don't well, even by know. the way, she also changed her name to Is something she, I can't pronounce. She's transracial and she's trans ethnic, and she's probably pretending she's just French and Canadian and Haitian and and uh, like who knows anymore? Who knows? But but to that point, you know, this person was the president of the <laughs> NAACP. When I watched the interview back in 2015, I was in tears, crying, laughing on the floor. Yeah. I thought it was hysterical. I was like, what the hell is this woman posing as? And it made me think about this larger topic. This is a large about topic. cultural appropriation. And when have you gone too far? She's definitely gone way too far. She's right. she's she's jumped the shark. But to that point, it's like she appropriated so much to the point where she identified as a race that was different from the the race in which she was born. And I was like, "What the hell?" And That's I'm now the epitome curious of of appropriating a culture, a race, and everything. She's she should be the queen of appropriation. I think we should elect you the queen of cultural appropriation. I don't think that, that that has a seat just yet. I feel like there should be a seat at the UN that's like she is in the seat of cultural appropriation and it's Rachel Docile. I mean, she has experience. She was a president of NCAACP. It's an no. easy transition to get her into the seat of, <laughs> you're like, no, not parliament. No, no. We're not going to give no. her a seat at the UN. The UN is on the East River. We can give her a seat in the East River. Like hell oh, to the no. Hell are we giving? To the no. So it sounds to me like we're giving her the bumble. 
Or is she she's the bomb atomic bomb. Like she is like (laughs) Rachel Docile, that's what her name is, right? Like you get the damn bomb, you know that. You played yourself. You get the bomb bomb in 2015. And you may get the bomb bomb again because I didn't watch the documentary just yet, but I plan to, and I might resurrect the bomb bomb into our next episode and give you a second one. Rachel Delasa, bomb bomb. Damn bomb. So it's kind of perfect timing that this documentary is on Netflix because we had planned for a while to have a lot of guests on to tackle the subject of- Yes cultural appropriation. I'm very excited. It's a subject that I've often debated, talked about ever since high school, uh, when I was in my African American histories class. Um, I think it's an important conversation. And Absolutely. I think we're the the guest lineup we have for the listeners is pretty freaking amazing. Uh, we, we, we got a bunch of people from different backgrounds. We have five different guests on uh, and with amazing viewpoints and content. And we're hoping that you will enjoy this uh, episode as much as, as we will. Yeah. And, and for the listeners, again, it's different people with different perspectives. So they're not only talking about their perspectives of being of that certain race, but it's also just their own. And some of which say, you know, I'm not speaking on behalf of the race. I'm speaking from the eyes of which I'm seeing the world and give them this platform to just share their stories. And that's why we do what we do on this podcast. So the first guest that we have on the show is Chelsea, a.k.a. Chels Pinky. She's one third of Black Girls Texting, the podcast, and identifies as a black woman who's first generation Trinidadian and Venezuelan. Um, We're super excited to have her on and for her to share her viewpoints. And we know you will 100% love her. And number two, you need to go and listen to Black Girls Texting, the podcast. It's fantastic. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome to the podcast. So glad that you're on. You're here with us. It's exciting. Hi, I'm excited to be here. I love your podcast. So thank you for having me. Aww. We have a fan. Yeah. We have a fan, Daddy. Look at us. The, right feeling is mutual. World. So for sure, um, your podcast, uh, Black Girls Texting. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that and and what you bring on that side yeah sure so uh black girls texting it's letting the world know that black women are a multitude of things we're not a monolith we have all different sorts of experiences and it's just like a safe space um that really celebrates the sanctity of like the group chat and like just being open in that space and we're um, tackling topics that women talk about in their group chats or women want to talk about in their group chats. And yeah, it's been really fun. We're on episode like 95 now. So we've been doing it for a minute. It's crazy because I, I feel like I had a conversation with you before you were at episode 52 even. I was like, oh my God, it's going to be amazing when you're at one year. Yeah. And you're just- at 95 right now? Yeah, and that's and we've definitely had more than 95 because we've done like little bonus episodes. Yep. But yeah, 95 full-length episodes. Yeah, a friend just texted me yesterday. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe you're at episode seven right now. And same thing. I was like, well, we do have some bonus and prequel. And and I want to continue to do the bonus episode thing because we did one on International Women's Day. And I think it's important, especially as the calendar, you know, as the calendar comes on, there's different reasons you want to get together. Um, right. As we get more and more listeners, like I would have loved to do one, not to go off topic, but one right now on what's going on with 
the situation in Georgia and uh, oh Aubrey. So I have so many thoughts about it. And I'm like, we had an episode last night about um, the over-policing of girls in schools. Mm. And um, I have just like, my mind's been going crazy because obviously I've started to do a lot of research. Obviously I focused on black women and I've been doing research on how many black women are murdered and no one talks about it. Um, so whether it be murdered by police or, you know, in, within hate crimes or all these things, no one talks about it. And it's like, it's just like, no one cares. Um, and obviously I care about what happened in Georgia and that was a black man and that's super important. But yeah, I've, my mind has been like on it. It's, you know, it's, it's an interesting point you bring up about the black women and later in, in the episode, we're going to have on a woman from Native American background. And on May 5th, I posted something on my social. Uh, it's where there's a, a disappearance of Native women uh, murdered and missing. And there's a call to attention on that. And it's the same thing. And I personally, from research, it, it's, it's definitely a rabbit hole. And there's a lot more to be said and learned on it. Um, but there is an in interesting um, situation with um, women of color who are systematically being erased from the conversation, both, uh, you know, figuratively and physically. Uh, and we need to figure out what's going on. Is there, is it a, is it a master plan or what? Cause when you remove the woman, you remove the future, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, I always go back to that. What's the Malcolm X quote? Like the black woman is the most disrespected person in America. Like, we are always asked to speak out on other people's issues, whether it be police brutality or women's rights or blah, 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 blah. And no one is speaking for us. And obviously the same thing goes for Native American women. Um, but yeah, I was just seeing a lot of posts like protect our sons, protect our sons. And of course, protect our sons, but protect our daughters as well. So, um, And I know we're completely off on a tangent, but... Already. Awesome. <laughs> And we have our second guest on. Her name is Nadia Gilani. She currently lives in London. So we went across the pond, not literally, but through Zoom to speak to her. She is a journalist as well as a yoga teacher with over 25 years of experience. Uh, she has basically been very upfront to dispel a lot of the cultural appropriation that's going on, even in the yoga community. So to hear her perspective is fantastic. And she's just putting up everything from talking about namaste and namaste to, to all the little things that need to be kind of, in her opinion, removed or um, just kind of not even spotlighted in the yoga community. Uh, and her whole platform is called the Yogi Dissonance. So we're happy to have her on the show. Nadia, thank you so much for joining us from across the pond um, on this Zoom call. It's fabulous to have you on. If you could take a moment for our listeners and tell them who you are. Sure, well, thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking. Um, so my name's Nadia and I'm a, um, I'm a yoga teacher and a, a writer. I've been practicing yoga for 25 years, been teaching for far fewer than that. And um, I mean, I live in London, so London is quite similar to New York in terms of, you know, it's not really like the rest of the UK. Like I imagine I've been to New York many times and it's my perspective as an outsider is it's different to America. You know, it's not really America. And um, 
So it's very diverse. There's lots of mixing, melting pot. That those kinds of words come to mind about about the city and like everybody lives in London from everywhere in the world. Um, so and the sharing and the mixing with the cultures that's what makes it magic and what makes it amazing. But then I suppose yeah, I mean in terms of cultural appropriation that that then can come into the mix as well because um, because of just all these things mixing and you know jostling together. And I talk about um, this topic a lot, so I'm really looking forward to chatting about it more. Also, coming straight from Dallas, Texas, uh, sneakerhead, a Mexican, an American. He goes by the moniker Rev Fresh to Death on Instagram. His name is Alfonso Ayala. Super excited to have him and his voice sharing it with us and you as the listeners. Uh, my name is Alfonso. I identify as a male Lat Latino or Latinx, if you want to say that, if that's your thing. <laughs> but, you know, that's my thing. I'm a Latino. I'm okay with that. Uh, I identify he, him from the male perspective. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a very complicated person. I might seem that way, but I'm not. I'm very straightforward. Then, so cool, another guest that we have on today is a neo-soul singer, 2019 Native American award-winning for Best Female Artist. She's an African-American and Oglala Lakota Sioux tribe. Amazing woman. Her name is Shondanae, S-H-O-N-D-E-N-A-Y, at Instagram. Super cool. Check her out. Check out her music. We're super excited to have her on the show, sharing her viewpoints for what it is to be a native american indigenous woman in a culturally appropriated society of the united states of america okay so uh, my name is chardonnay uh it sounds like chardonnay but it's not a promise i'm still sweet and bubbly and all that fun stuff uh i am a oglala lakota native and half african-american neo soul new soul singer i uh, released an album called on the rocks uh, back in 2018 and uh, just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And I was able to get to a point where I was nominated for both the Indigenous Music Awards in 2019 and the Native American Music Awards, where uh, I was nominated five times and I took home one award. So <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Thank you, thank you. Like to be able to be in a room with a lot of established and talented and um, just seasoned native artists across all spectrums it was humbling. Like I felt truly honored to be in that room with them and to be able to actually for my debut album actually win an award. That was was crazy. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's, that's, that's so an amazing cool. accomplishment. So what was the award you won for? Uh Best Female Artist. Amazing. Yeah, like I was worried uh, about what direction I should take it uh, branding wise, because mm -hmm. I am of two, uh, two uh, backgrounds, I'm Native American and black. And uh, you know, the black side more leans more towards the neo soul. My father was into jazz and we used to listen to it every Sunday in the morning. Like he wakes up just blaring the jazz, like get up clean. Like, oh, okay, dad. and. Mm -hmm. um, with my, with my Native American side, because my mother passed away when I was 13, 
I wanted to find a way to honor her and honor honor that side of my family tree. So um, I started to pursue it in the, the native, more native aspect for me. And I'm so excited to have on my homegirl. We went to the same college together, St. John's University in Queens, home of the Red Storm, which is definitely in trial, my own fake trial for cultural misappropriation, Red Storm, shouting you out, St. John's. But yeah, excited to bring her on. She's a TV and content producer, and she is the founder of this really dope organization called InThisTogether.org, putting up some wonderful content about real people telling real stories. She is Korean, who was adopted by two white parents, and her name is Sarah Fulton, and I'm excited to have her on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So, Sarah, welcome to our wonderful podcast, our episode on cultural appropriation. So wanted to dive right in and ask you, from your perspective, how do you define cultural appropriation? Uh, so I think I would define it just as the standard definition. You know, I would just define it as the adoption of different elements and um, trends and sometimes like history um, and a lot of aesthetic. Uh, that's really what I would call cultural misappropriation, um, but the adoption of some you know elements of somebody else's culture. I feel like cultural appropriation is when a group with power dips in and out and cherry picks out of a more oppressed group's culture and you know, that's one level. And then the next level would be not even um, paying them, like giving them any credit, not mentioning where they got this from, not doing any research on it. So just having that sort of privilege, I guess, is, would be the best word of just feeling like you can just cherry pick out of someone's culture and, and not care. And oftentimes the oppressed groups are actually getting uh, really negative ramifications about these different cultural things. Like the first one, obviously, that popped up in my head is hair. You know, we see black girls or black boys or black kids getting kicked out of school for having a certain hairstyle or people losing their jobs for having a certain hairstyle. Um, it's only become, only in recent times has it become illegal to do things like this with the Crown Act and um, different legislation that's been passed. But for years, people have been getting punished for the very thing that other people, most, mostly white people, are being celebrated for. So I think that's what cultural appropriation is to me. I mean, I think like the most important part of that question is like, what is culture and what is appropriating that culture, either whether it's positively or negatively. I think negatively is like just a blatant disrespect of the culture and just being unaware of what those things that you're taking from that culture are adapting to your own. Like, are you doing that in a positive way or are you doing that in a negative way? And are you being disrespectful or are you honoring what those people went through to get to who they are? And I think a lot of times people blatantly disrespect things and they want to do it because it's cool. They want to do it because they like it and that's fine, but understand the cultural context, the historical context of who those people are at the root of who they are. And it's not just, oh, you've got cool hair. Well, I want to do that too. It's like, but, but what about them got them there? You know, and, and I think that's, it's, it's, it's making sure that you're not disrespecting people. You're not, and you're honoring them. You're honoring their struggles. You're honoring their victories. You're honoring 
you know, everything about them. And if you can do that, great, do it. And if you can't, then just don't. That part is quite difficult. I mean, that you have the um, you have the fights that we have going on right now with just a, a political correctness. I would say in regards to the 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 Redskins and uh, calling us Indian and thinking we're all drunks and and wearing the headdresses. You know, like they it would be nice if they you know if they took a moment to research a little bit in regards to why or where those things came about, hopefully it will open their eyes to understand like, okay, maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like uh, the headdresses are usually left for chiefs. <laughs> like the, these are the native earrings. These are for the ladies, but usually the, the, the chokers are for the men and they have the, the breast plates and stuff like, but I don't know, like it would be nice if they did also with the, the red skins, hopefully one of these days they might change that name. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that came out with the thirties, fifties, you know, yeah. at the height of uh, prejudice. So along with the, them being prejudiced against African-Americans, they were definitely being prejudiced with the natives. Um, another example, prime example is my tribe. We're from South Dakota. So uh, in South Dakota, you have Mount Rushmore. And Mount Rushmore is actually on our land, which is crazy. Mm. It is on our reservation. Yeah. So these, this is designated land for the for our native tribe. Right. And they decided to build build Mount Rushmore on there and took all the Black Hills gold and uh, it, it, it in that during that time they just pretty much kind of let you know like what your place was in society. Yep. You were yeah. a second class citizen. And uh, we're going to show you every day when you look at Mount, Mount Rushmore of why you're a second class citizen, which is crazy. In simplest terms, I think it's more complex than this. But if I was going to simplify it, it would be it's usually, I think, taking a culture, taking a bit of a culture, an aspect that you're drawn to out of context and then representing it as something else. That's in simple terms, I think, what it is. And I think in yoga, that goes on a lot. You know, it's kind of, and then it gets distorted to the point that it's divorced from what it was meant to be in the first place. So, I mean, does that make sense? You know, it's kind of um, maybe gone a bit around the topic there, but I think um, that's in simple terms, cultural preparation for me. Like, I'm very hesitant when I come in touch with a culture. Um, Right, you've just got to check yourself, right? And... um, and I think if you, if, yeah, so, so I don't know, does that answer the question? Because then, um, yes. And, Nadia, go- I'm gl- and I'm glad that you brought that into the yoga space because um, I, I am a yoga teacher. I'm a newbie in, in the space of yoga. It's def- definitely in comparison to you being 25 years in. And I was trained by somebody who was very much instrumental saying, okay, you need to understand the foundations of yoga in, in looking at the yoga sutras because the asanas and the poses is just a small little fraction in this thing called yoga. And everyone identifies the poses to be just yoga and like, and everyone kind of, I don't know, takes it and runs with it and kind of strips it away from its essence or its true essence in the sense. So, and I know that you, you've seen a lot of that. So can you expand upon that? And I also love what you said in a recent article that said, you don't want to have anyone say namaste at the end of class. Um, So can you kind of touch upon that and how um, you've probably seen some cultural misappropriations in the yoga space? 
The Namaste thing is interesting. So I've written about that in the in the article that you're talking about in the Huffington Post. And I guess um, to me, growing up as a South Asian person, I'm not Hindu, but I um, that's the Hindu greeting. And um, I don't know how it got into yoga. I feel like some Western people went to India. They tried to take part in the culture, which is the appropriate, <clears throat> excuse me, appropriate respectful thing to do when you go traveling, you learn a bit of the language, you join in. Um, but then I think as a kind of nod to India, which actually a white American yoga teacher commented on one of my posts when I complained about Namaste on Instagram, she said she said it as a nod to India. And I just thought that was ridiculous because I thought, A, it's kind of reducing India to this one word. Mm -hmm. And India is a mixed, if we're going to go back to the melting pot idea, is a mixed, huge, giant country with many different faiths, many different um, people who identify in different ways. And they don't use the word namaste too, as a greeting. But it is a, it's a Hindu greeting, um, just like, you know, the greetings, like we say, hey, uh, good morning. Yeah. You know, usually it's the, it's the um, dominant culture, right, that can uh, often feel like they can just cherry pick or or borrow elements without understanding the cultural significance or the history um and and that's what the challenge of cultural appropriation is you know i try not to do like i try to do research before i record something because you know you want to know what you're saying but at the same time i want to come from like a very i don't know genuine place and like use my own words um but i did you i did do a little bit of research and there was actually a case in um in that went all the way to the federal court in uh, 1981, I want to say maybe, I, yeah, 1981, uh, between a black woman and so so the movie that Bo Derek, you know Bo Derek, she was got famous for her braids. Yes, um, that came out in '79, and so in 1981, this black woman was suing American Airlines because they told her her hair was unprofessional. She had braids, um, and she argued that it was a cultural style like it's a part of her culture she's wearing the style it actually went to federal court and she lost um and they said that she was actually copying a style from a recent movie the movie that Bo Derek was in wow so i just find like that sort of you know those historical points just to be so crazy how like how when i don't like using the word dominant because i think the black race is super dominant you know we were held right. out and we're still here, you know? Um, so they couldn't erase us. So I think we're pretty dominant, but white people are still able to, I don't know, get credit for something that that's not theirs, you know? And yeah, we see that in history. We see that in our laws. We see that in different um, court cases. So yeah. yeah, it's like what you said. So oftentimes like for people who call themselves quote unquote woke or everybody's like, like kumbaya, they love everybody and they want to feel like they're, they're in this worldly community. There is a sense where they feel they're doing it the right way, right? So do you feel that there is a blurred line though between cultural appropriation and the misappropriation of someone's culture versus cultural appreciation and making sure that they're doing it in the right way? I definitely, I, I think that the cultural appropriation, a lot of times people are just taking the aesthetic and then they're, you know, uh, adopting the aesthetic of whatever they're seeing that they like, whether it's, you know, the braids or like artifacts, um, and then just wearing it as their own without any, uh, I guess, um, acknowledgement or 
personal understanding of what the culture is about or what the history is about. Um, I do, I, I, I was going to tell you guys, I do have a little bit of a probably unpopular opinion, but it's all, it all comes from love, but I'm adopted and uh, my parents are white American. Um, and then at the same time, I've, my career has heavily been in hip hop. I'm a hip hop head and I've created a lot of hip hop content with a lot of hip hop artists. So my view and like I've been attacked, you know, my whole life of being you know, culturally appropriating black culture because I produce content. But um, and again, my parents are white, but I am Korean um, and I don't get treated like I'm white, you know, walking around in the world at all. So um, I have like a really I feel like I have an unexpected, unique perspective on cultural appropriation as an Asian woman. Um, well, you and mentioned you have an unpopular view. What is that view? My view on cultural appropriation, honestly, I don't really care. I mean, I do. I think that is an important conversation, but I just feel like I've, because of my experiences, I am more so for the blending of cultures. Like, I'm all the way for it. Um, and there's so many arguments you could say against it, but I have all the arguments in my heart and, like, um, my soul, you know, uh, of my own personal experience, I very much believe in the blending and integration of cultures. Uh, there's a way to do it, and there's definitely a way not to do it. Um, and I think that's something that we can we can definitely discuss. But um, I am all about integration. Do you feel though, Alfonso, and, and to jump in is with your own identity, and do you feel that there are certain terms that or specifics? Um, as being a Mexican as well as an American that f you feel are especially coming off of the Cinco de Mayo holiday that you may identify specifically with of what cultural appropriation means to you as a, as a Mexican and as an American? I mean, coming right off of, um, like, like you mentioned, we just had Cinco de Mayo a couple of days ago. And I think in the past, not so much this year because everyone's at home and you can't go out and just be ridiculous. In the years past, you've seen like college parties throwing like, the border parties or the wall parties and like that's bullshit you know and and i think again that speaks back to what i said about you're disrespecting a culture like right they here and say oh we're gonna have a border wall party it's like bro there's people dying at the border trying yep. to better their lives like why are you doing that like yep. what that is blatant cultural appropriate that's cultural disrespecting and yeah we'll have your single de mayo parties but know what you're celebrating you're not celebrating mexican independence day you're not Mexican, you know, no, it's not Mexico's birthday. Right. No, it, it, it's a battle where an underdog won. Mm -hmm. It was a yeah. key moment where a hundred men defeated a thousand men. And that's what you're celebrating. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, not, even if it was like, let's say hypothetically, even it was Mexican independence or whatever you want to call it, right? At the end of the day, it's, it's a perfect example and time frame for us to talk about cultural appropriation because in the root of what that holiday is, regardless of what it is, what it has become is an excuse for white America to run around and eat tacos and drink tequila and wear sombreros. And it has nothing to do with anything but saying, this is what we're going to do today. So do you feel that there's a, a line between the cultural appropriation aspect and the cultural appreciation aspect of it? For sure. I mean, when you make, a caricature of a people a group of people you're doing it wrong 
you got giant sombreros, giant mustaches, you know, walking around with giant bottles of tequila, you're making a caricature of that person. And that's not okay. Yep. So if you do it on the flip side where you can wear, you know, the, you know, the Mexican, you know, sombreros, but do it respectfully. Don't make it a caricature. And I think right. that's where a lot of people make their mistakes is they're trying to be funny or they, or they think it's funny and it's not, it's, it's stupid. And you look stupid. It says more about you than it does everybody else. Right. So I think that's that fine line, right? Like, do you make a mockery of it or do you honor and respect the culture? And the line is very, should be very clear to most people. And unfortunately it's not. In that aspect, have you seen it as it where people are actually respecting and appreciating your culture? How, have you ever really seen that? And if so, uh, can you give an example of where you've seen your culture being culturally appreciated versus being appropriated? Uh, yeah, uh, in the hip hop scene, uh, there are a lot of uh, Native American artists or rappers, singers, and um, they, 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 which is kind of cool. They'll show respect. Well, they'll, they'll have like a whole lineup, or there could be tours coming into town with all all native, all native artists. And um, you know, it's not like no fun and games or you know, no costumes or anything like that. But it, it, they're giving them the respect. Like, yo, you guys are like legit artists. You're dope. I love your music. Um, let's connect. Let's work. And they. I think that's freaking cool. <laughs> Especially in the industry that you're in right now and you get to see that firsthand. You know, you're in the music industry and then you actually see your culture being uh, represented, number one, really well, and number two, being highly respected and honored. So I think that's a big, big piece of doing and, and respecting a culture that's outside of yours. Yes. And plus, it's hip hop. Yeah, <laughs> so it's not like you know, the, like the uh, we do the drums and yep. the flute. The, you know, it's it's like just hip hop. Like, yo, we make we make American music too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I remember watching this documentary on 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 music, and I feel like there wasn't a genre of music that wasn't originated or didn't come from uh, indigenous people throughout the world. So hip hop and and. From, from Africa or indigenous uh, native natives from America or the Aboriginal, there's, there's definitely this drum, this beat, this this vibe that evolved into where we knew jazz or or bebop and then into hip hop and so on. So mm -hmm. for sure, it's not um, it's not a white thing. Um, it's definitely something that evolved from from a culture. And I think that happens a lot, um, especially in the yoga community, because in the states we have these. Um, lack of a better word, these trend yoga things that are happening, right? And they have hip hop yoga, where it's just yoga with a hip hop playlist, but the asanas are still very much um, foundationally correct. And they have all these other different things, goat yoga, where, where there's live animals climbing on you as you're on downward facing dog. And you're like, is it supposed to be a test of me trying to find my dristy or my poner focus? <laughs> As animals are crawling over me. So uh, what is your take on these certain trends that are happening? And do you ever find that um, it's ever, a, do you ever find that there's a right way to be appreciative of a culture in yoga? And how do you do that? Yes, this is a really interesting one. I mean, I went to, I don't know what the studio is called. Is, it, is there a studio in the, in the US called Y7? Or oh yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. the whole basis. Of I went to one in New York. I went to one in New York. Maybe it was um, in Williamsburg or 
some I went to the Apple store anyway, you know, to get a MacBook and there was a there was a Y7. I went to a hip hop class actually and um, this is a, a actually it was the year that Trump got in because I went on the women's march as well. And um I was there too. <laughs> oh, you were there too? Yeah, it was, it was amazing, wasn't yeah. it? Was Although we didn't move, we all got stuck in that one bottleneck on like 47th Street or whatever. And we yeah, move, I got but... stuck outside Grand, Cent Grand Central Station, but I had my Shepherd Ferry. Uh, do you remember the posters? They're amazing. Of course, um, big, big fan of Shepherd Ferry. Oh yeah, I, I totally love his work. Um, so that was an aside, but um, yeah, so on the hip hop stuff, yeah, I mean, look, I think the thing is, it's just got too saturated now. It's almost like, um, I was thinking about this before the, before our conversation about how, you know, I think appropriation has been going on all the time. I think lots of us are, you know, to an extent, I'm, I'm possibly appropriating yoga as well. Like it, it was a thing hundreds of thousands of years ago. I'm doing a version of it now. I'm sharing a version of it now, but I think it's, um, to the extent to which it's being taken. It's not the problem that everybody in the world wants to practice yoga now. I don't think it's a problem. I think you have to look at where it is and you can look at, you can use music as an analogy. My partner's a musician, he's like massive hip hop head. You've got to kind of know he's white and you've got to kind of know the lineage and look at and do it with respect. And not, I think, again, the problem with appropriation is not so much the always the appropriation itself. It's kind of perhaps something to do with um, the repackaging and the redistorting it, but also to do with perhaps kind of pretending that you came up with it yourself and mm. and not really understanding the context of what it was intended for. Do you feel that there's a blurred line though between the people who aren't those extremists who are with malice or intentionally raping a culture or pulling from a culture, but the people who are doing it in a sense where they actually like what they're doing or like that aspect, whether it's braids, whether it's dreads, whether it's um, wearing certain clothing, is there a blurred line between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation for you? Right, so I, yeah, I feel like that conversation is always being had, like, can you, you know, appreciate a culture and, you know, experience those things? And I think the answer is yes, um, but there's a way to do it, you know, like you can, learn about things, you can go to museums, you can travel to different countries. You know, the world is huge. I feel like you should be able to um, understand and learn about different things and cultures outside of your own. But I feel like, you know, for example, Kim Kardashian had a responsibility to publicly state, you know, these are not boxer braids, you know, stop calling them that. She right. knew that they're not boxer braids, but right. she chose to be silent. So I think, that's where I, you know, would say, okay, you're an appropriator. You, you, you could have easily said, you know, I think these braids are beautiful and they come from this culture, they're Fulani braids. Um, and I, I just wanted to try them. Like, I'm sorry if I upset anyone, but I think they're beautiful. And I try, you know, there's so many different ways you could um, handle those sorts of situations. Um, but I feel like there's a clear line, like you, you can speak up, you can, um, learn about what you're doing. You can understand what you're doing. You can understand the cultural significance. We have the internet. Unless you live under a rock, there's no no excuse. So, and and I love what you said. And we talked about hair. We talked about a little bit of this. But do you see like any other areas of life or industries where cultural appropriation is very prevalent from your perspective? Yeah, I mean. 
think in fashion, uh, we see it so often. Um, I don't know. I think it's in every aspect. People are sort of insensitive or feel entitled to just cherry pick other people's cultures. I think we see it everywhere. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, yeah. And I think what, what you did say too, and, and it leads to a great question of like this idea of this naivete of, of people, like sometimes unbeknownst to a lot of folks, when they go into a store and they see an accessory and they're like, oh, I like this bendy. It looks really cool. Oh, I didn't know you could put it on your third eye or in between the brow. Cool. And they wear it. Not, they don't necessarily make the connection that that's, that's linked to a culture or the lineage is back to a certain culture. So there's a sense of like naivete because maybe the mass markets are pushing it out to you to say, hey, this is the trend and this is what's happening. And we've seen this repeated over and over throughout even pop culture. In especially today where people are like, oh yeah, I didn't know what I was doing or what I was wearing or what I was saying, even connected back to a certain culture. So do you still, do you feel that strongly that there is more naivete or do you feel like there are people out there that fully know that they're appropriating or misappropriating a culture and they don't care? So much of um, cultural pro appropriation is often naivete and it's often lack of representation, whether it's at a company or in that person's life. So many people, but of all backgrounds, white, black, Asian, you know, Native American, Indian, all of these people, we're still in a point in our, in our generation and in our evolution where there isn't as, there's not that much diversity a lot of time in, in a lot of people's lives. A lot of people stick to their group um, and they don't have, I mean, because we're, you know, we're from New York um, and LA, that's a very different, those, these are very different worlds than um, the most of the rest of the world. Yeah, and I think people just always spotlight the stereotypical shit that is aligned to a culture or someone's race or someone's background. And then they kind of either exploit that and, and say, well, I'm gonna say like, okay, well, all ghetto black people have this, or they're going to either kind of take the things that they cherry pick that they like, and then say, oh, this is how I'm misappropriating the culture in that sense. Yeah. Have you seen like any other industries, um, one of it being fashion, any other industries where this plays out in pretty heavily? Oh, most definitely. I mean, uh, in fashion, Isabel Morant was like four or five years ago. She went to Oaxaca, saw what they were doing, came home, did her own thing, exactly the same never said where she got it from, passed mm -hmm. it off as her own work. And then was selling a blouse for like $1,200. And people in Oaxaca were like, wait, you were just over here. Like you just saw us doing this. And now you're trying to sell it off as a couture Paris gown. No, like you stole that. And yep. there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do that. She did that the wrong way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you see a uh, Christian Louboutin who is a company that I'm working for now and I've come to love that company so dearly because um, a couple of years ago, he did a song called, or a, a bag called the Mexicaba. And what he did is like, he went to, to, to South of Mexico, met with uh, people of Mayan uh, descent, worked with them, and 10% of all the proceeds from that bag went back to them to preserve the way they do things. And he does that throughout his entire collections. He works with someone or a culture, a group of people, takes, you know, takes the time to learn who they are Mm -hmm. learn their craftsmanships, learn their tradition, learn what, what, what they do and how they do it. 
and he's trying to preserve it through his work because obviously he's got a much bigger platform. Yep. So right. he, he takes his, he uses his platform to help preserve an ancient, you know, tapestry or ancient like way of doing something. And that's the right way to do it. Do you feel that this, with the cultural appropriation aspect of it and the exploitation, do you feel like maybe there's a sense of um, naivety uh, when it comes to these, these acts that are done by Hollywood or people or whatever? Or do you think that there's a sense that um, with the misappropriation that, that it's done in a fashion of deliberate act? How do you feel about these, these scenarios of, of cultural appropriation and, and stigmatization? I do think it's naivety. Like, um, if you don't experience that culture on your day-to-day, you don't know, like, what their struggles are and their strifes, whatever they're going through, until you actually take the time to learn. So if, if you don't learn, you're just going to go based off of what, whatever you were growing up. A lot of the Disney movies and everything kind of skewed the vision of how, <laughs> how every culture is. So unless you take the time to, to, to research and appreciate all cultures, like you won't, you, you just stay stuck in that path, like path, like stay stuck in that pattern. Yep. So yeah, they're going to keep doing it. Like even recently with Disney and the Tonto and Johnny Depp, I'm like, ah, like, no. you can, right. and even going further back to the nineties of Pocahontas and I'm just like, Oh, you know, the cartoon and you're just like, all right, well, this seems inaccurate, you know, but again, I mean, that story has been told in a funny way since the beginning of time. Right. So Pocahontas was, was a, was a stolen uh, native sister basically, mm-hmm. you know, yes, by, um, and, but it was always portrayed as this romantic, story and that's not how it went at all the, the real story of Pocahontas is actually a tragedy uh not a, so mm-hmm. um yeah it's true but let's not distort it it's like when I say my family actually is Muslim and I um I don't practice but I say assalamu alaikum but I'm not thinking peace be upon you every time I say it it's just right. a cultural thing we've been saying for hundreds of years yep. or how long namaste also poetic beautiful meaning but it's it really grates on me I mean I don't go to dropping classes I have my teachers and we see I see them and we don't say namaste but I think it's um it's become I didn't realize when I started talking about it that it was going to really strike a nerve and it's kind of really been touching getting so many dms and so many comments and I just feel like wow like there seems to be really fertile ground to talk about this stuff right now because people were quietly really annoyed and pissed off about this and I started talking about it and then now (laughs) we're really grateful that we can talk about it publicly so it's funny because um, again, and I don't practice yoga and I've taken two yoga classes in my life and, um, One, two of which are not mine, by the no. way. So <laughs> I, I have a certain feeling about it, uh, from an outsider, almost like that outsider looking in. And it's funny. I, I believe in, in signs of the universe. So it's so interesting that at the same moment, and I, I think I messaged you just about the Kendrick Lamar thing too, uh, which is funny, but so just Jen to pull you in Nadia was in a, in a Kendrick Lamar mood and she was vibing <laughs> and I was like you should check out our our, our episode list because literally that's the inspo but on Namaste it's so weird because the, the same day or two that I messaged you Nadia I was watching um Curb Your Enthusiasm with my son with um and there was the Namaste episode on and in the episode he's leaving the yoga class and she's yeah. like Namaste and he's like okay and she says it again and he's like no no I don't I don't do that 
and I same way I don't say happy birthday, but the point is, so it's really funny that you say that because namaste, yeah, it's it's a Hindu conversation, but and it's a Hindu greeting. It has nothing to do with the Christians and Muslims who live in India at all. And for people to say I'm doing as a nod to India, I think that's brilliant that you said that because it's completely like the Native Americans here in the United States when people would, uh, in the early 80s and 90s when they were mocking Native Americans, in my opinion, and they were saying how all the time, and they were always how. And meanwhile, that was literally a, like a Cherokee greeting. It had nothing to do with the rest of the Native American tribes. Um, so I think that's brilliant, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it's it's appropriation at its finest when you truly don't understand the historical information that you're trying to perpetuate in a, in something that has nothing to do with it. So thank you I think for that. I think it's that, and it's also taking it, the thing with Namaste, Namaste, because I've talked about this before, but it's like slaughtered on activewear, like it's on activewear, it's on hashtags. And it really, um, I mean, to be honest, I've got to the point where I can't even, um, you know, I don't really engage or have a massive response anymore. I used to get really upset and angry. And I've kind of gone beyond it now where I'm just kind of, I just observe it and I think, oh, there it is again. It's like the namaste in bed all day, namaste bitches, namaste as fuck. And you just think, Christ, like I, as a, if I, like there's no way that I would be, I like to think, gosh, you know, I mean, I'm not infallible, like I, I can make mistakes, but, I really like to think that I wouldn't start, it wouldn't, if I was going to even take a culture, take a bit of a culture and appropriate it, be humble and try and do it with respect, you know, as in incorporate it. But then I don't think I'd start distorting it. And I'm a lover of puns, you know, because I've been a journalist a long time. I love playing with language, but I don't know whether you should play with other people's language, you know. Well, it's all in the context, like truly, like um that's that's appreciation like he appreciates the jewelry and the culture and you know it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing truly but if you are coming to someone like you you've read like you've red skin or you native like well they say some even worse things like prairie near, uh, oh. like, wow like they, they it's crazy like i've i've heard these like i've been called those. I'm like, when I was in South Dakota, I'm like, what the freak? Wow. Right now, but like, it's all in the context. Like, just you know, if if someone tells you, hey, you know, we 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 don't try to go by native any like a uh, Indian. We're not Indian. We're uh, Native Americans. And if if the person goes, well, I was raised on Indian, so I'm gonna call you Indian. That's mm. that's disrespect. Like, if we're if we're gonna is like you said, the, the, the names change, they evolve. So if you can't evolve, evolve with us, then you're part of the problem. So hopefully yeah. you know, training your kids <laughs> and hopefully we can reach your children and let them know it's indigenous or native. Like, yep. Yep. like it's okay to flip up. We're all going to slip up. You know, it's our own lesson. Like I, I've slipped up a couple of times too. And I'm like, Oh, like, I got to remind myself real quick. And I'll keep it going. But, if I'm just out there like you Indian, uh, you black, you know, like no, that might get you knocked in the face. Like <laughs> definitely, definitely. This is all in the context. Like agreed. I, I, you can feel if someone's being malice, honestly, mm -hmm. and you yeah. can feel if someone is na naive. And the the ones that are naive, it's easier to to explain to them like, hey, you know, we we say it this way now, or like. Uh, we we don't we don't we don't do that no more. Like we should probably right. like, switch up a little bit. 
they'll they'll understand that. I don't think anyone's perfect, right? So as you said, we all make mistakes. And as long as you are willing to admit that and just and learn and and not feel like you're an expert on everything. If someone from that community is telling you this is hurtful, listen to them. You know, just ignore that. I mean, or you can, but that shows your entitlement and your privilege, but you just have to like, it's going to be a slow evolution. It is a slow evolution. Um, you know, and it, again, it goes back to the naivete thing. I really do believe that you people can't know what they don't know and you have to show them like to, to tell them. And I think it's good. We have to use our voices on social media. I do it all day long, but at the same time, just crying about something and screaming about something you can't tell you have to show show don't tell um and when you get into a when you, we get into the positions we have to that's when we have to support one another and that's when we have to uplift one another and that means hiring um people of color and that means um casting you know people it means doing the actual research but that's the thing if you don't know other perspectives you don't know to even we don't know what to research you don't know that you're supposed to research you know what i mean and not that i'm defending white people from um you know culture appropriating throughout all of time i'm just saying that you, we have it if you know better it is our responsibility to do better um mm -hmm. to, like stop wasting time flipping out and freaking out about everyone that's not doing better you we have to do better um, and we have to, we have to take accountability, um, as a person of color, as a woman, I really firmly, especially after the whole COVID-19 crisis, um, I'm a very firm believer that no one is coming to save us. And it's ridiculous to keep believing you can demand it. I mean, it's, it is fair that, you know, there's some type of, uh, there, there should be more support and more recognition and and more um, understanding and less like fucking prejudice, obviously, but no one is coming to save that, save us. I think that's very obvious and um, we have to save ourselves. And in order to save ourselves, we have to take accountability. And I'm, that's just where I stand. Like, so I think, you know, just being more mindful, being more secular, being more worldly is, is the key. And that's what's, you know, in my, quixotic mind I'm like that's what's gonna make the world a better place is if we have better understanding of people and we sit down and have a conversation versus wanting to bash each other for our differences instead of embracing it so that's that's just my imaginative I agree with you I agree yeah. with you I think the intention is really important I think what you've said about um I think you know if we're gonna be I suppose like you know there's nothing wrong with um I guess what I'm trying to say is that you know a lot of a lot of this stuff comes down to identity so we're branding our bodies or we're dressing a certain way because we want to align with a certain this is how i present myself with the world right yeah i see lots of things where you know i like japanese design and japanese artwork i'm really into and i think it's so pretty and it draws my eyes and um, that's as far as it really goes like i haven't um i don't align myself with it i'm very aware that it's outside me it's a, you know it's japanese culture but um I think um, when you start to take bits of it, it's because you want to align yourself with it. And I'm interested in that as well, because I'm interested in human behavior and why we do what we do. And that's a separate topic. But I think 
um, what people can do ourselves, what we can do ourselves is just check our intention. And I think that goes back to what I was saying about respect and asking yourself, is this respectful? I think your intention, if you've got a good intention, I think, you know, that's a big word and a lot of yoga teachers hide behind it. It's quite a convenient word because you can say, I had good intentions when I said namaste. I had good intentions when I got that on tattoo. Let's not make it too blurry. Like you have to do it with integrity. Your intention needs to be um, solid and on a firm foundation. It can't just be because it was a nod to India or because it suited me. It needs to be a good intention. And um, I think, yeah, like, you know, in fashion, like when Gucci's made all its mistakes and like loads of like the Adidas trainers, you know, the intentions were, I just think, I mean, how could you get that far to the point that it was made and photographed in a, on a modern studio? It's because, saying, it's, it's because they don't have um, representation in positions. So it, the Gucci we, and H&M, and we've had these conversations because I work in the field and in the fashion side. Um, this knowing the steps that have to be taken in order for product to ever hit market. There's so many steps and hurdles that it has to hit to be approved and this and that to get up to there. So that means that it passed all these eyes and nobody felt there was a problem. And that's because there's no representation. There's nobody. And if there is, there's a token person. And whenever you're one in a room, your voice is stifled because you don't want to be that voice. So that's the, that's the main problem is there's no representation in corporate America as well as corporate uh, globally to be able to make these decisions uh, a problem and, and fix them. Representation is so important because if they're not around the table, how can you be, take part in the conversation? Yes. So that's such a key point because I think less mistakes would be made and less insensitivities would occur if people just made sure that, you know, and like you say, it's really lonely when you're the only one. I've been that person where I'm the only one and you don't want to raise your hand because you're then going to be that person and everybody's going to turn against you if they don't agree with you and then it's just easier to stay quiet. Yeah, and then you, you look at film. I mean, 95% of, I mean, I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating, but, you know, Mexicans on TV are what? Gardeners, drug dealers, cholos, maids, like babysitters to white, rich white people. Like, that's yep. bullshit. And, you know, and, and a lot of that just, again, like, I think as people, we should take responsibility as well as like, write your own movies, write, your, yeah. write, yourself, write yourself the way you want to be seen and yeah. stop depending on, you know, Hollywood to, to write you the way they see you because we know how they see us. They yeah, but, they see but us. that's putting the weight. Instead, I, I understand what you're saying. And it, the same argument is made for black film. Uh, I, I feel a little differently only because I feel like that's... Um, Victim blaming in a sense and go with me for a second. I feel like um, for sure you should write your own, you know, Tyler Perry. This is these are all great moments. But the, to truly have change, you need to have change in the white mainstream Hollywood as well. I think that Mexican filmmakers, artists, actors, directors are hands down necessary in Hollywood. But I think Hollywood needs to fix the, the whitewashing of movies as well as the stereotypical yeah. roles for no, people for sure for sure i mean i think i think it's got to be a whole system overhaul even in our government i mean we can't expect our government to have our backs as minorities if yeah. we're not willing to go into those governments and try and get elected into those governments yeah. aoc in new york like she's killing it because she took it on herself to you know what i'm going to put myself in the, in the i'm going to take up space in these places 
Awesome. Well, this has been like such a pleasure to talk to you. And before we close with you, is there any sort of last thoughts or words or anything that you just want to let our listeners know um, before we close off with you? Yeah. Um, it's okay to be of a mixed heritage. Um, it's, it's all right. You can, you can rep both or three or four or whatever you are. Uh, we're all in the end actually closely closer related than what you would think and you know if you can do a do the DNA background test it will open your eyes to some things <laughs> uh, I, I did it myself and I found out I'm 12.5% Finnish so you know that sh it shocked me but it didn't shock me because I know where it came from with my my heritage but um, it, it it opened me up a little more to 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 kind of start looking in like the the Finnish side. That's <laughs> mm. <laughs> about. But yeah, just just know you you can you can you can rep more than one culture and you can you can ride for more than one culture and you gotta have compassion and be empathetic to a lot of people's strives because you don't know what they're going through and just hopefully we can all learn from it and come together and build and make this future better for the next generation. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think most importantly, I just want to say like, it's okay to like something from a different culture. It's perfectly fine. That's expected. That's, that's what inspiration is. That's where new ideas come from and being inspired by others and being inspired by different things. But just take the time to understand those things before you run off into the sunset. You know, just take 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 a second, take a beat, learn it, and then you can and, and, and then embrace it and then reinvent it in your own way with your own ancestral roots. And don't don't ever erase who you are because you like something different. But yeah, it's my little back call to um, all the like-minded people that do want to be in this together. I know not everybody wants that or is doing that but um it's my back call to the like-minded people that do want to be in this together so if you if you want to be you're welcome and um with open arms and open heart i think i would just say i would ask for people to be a bit more empathetic and you know you might travel somewhere and really love something and feel like it now belongs to you because it's special to you but if you you know reach into yourself and have a little empathy and think about how that might make someone from that culture feel, then maybe you'd think twice about, you know, your own feeling of wanting to, to wear that or wanting to say that or do that. You know what I'm saying? I think um, a big piece of it is just looking outside of yourself and, mm. um, and also open up your ears. If someone's telling you that they don't like that and they're from that culture, not everything needs to be an argument. Sometimes you can just listen. And again, it comes back to that empathy. What you're doing is hurting someone. Yeah. So just have that mutual respect for another human being and rethink what you're doing. So listeners, we're super stoked, excited to bring you one of our favorite segments, a segment that has been in continuum since day one. And this segment is called the death sentence.
This is the time where we go in and we take a word and we get to kill and destroy, banish, eliminate, excommunicate this nonsense that should be never be spoken again after today. <laughs> and you know what? Just because this was an extra special episode, we're going to bring you an extra special death sentence by eliminating two words. First one that we're gonna get rid of is one that's kind of very old. It's been around since the 19th century, maybe even earlier. I don't remember. It was obviously there's a famous. There's also a famous restaurant named after it as well. Is there? Um, mm -hmm. But it's something that we have almost used tongue in cheek to explain New York as well as the United States, and that term is called the melting pot. It's Ooh. an idea that we live in a world. It's first of all a horrible word. We need to, a horrible phrase. We need to just stop the nonsense. New York, US, America has never really been a melting pot. In theory, if this was a melting pot, it would be that everybody within the pot would melt together and be treated equally. Thanks. However, we know for a fact that everybody in these United States of America are not treated equally. They're definitely no. not. They're, Where's my reparations? Exactly. Where is it? In order for this to be successful, there would have to be no oppressive systems in a melting pot. There would no be, not be a hierarchy. Thanks. So it's bullshit. So stop using the term melting pot. Because also, to our point earlier of not seeing color, it also devalues individual cultures, saying that everybody should assimilate and bring a culture together. It tells you that also that the people who tend to use a term like melting pot are the white establishment hierarchy of the country. What they're really saying is come to our melting pot, meaning leave your cultures in your country. Don't bring them to the United States. Make sure you speak English. Make sure you leave your culture at home and learn our culture that we want you to learn. And you're gonna cook in our pot as we stir the pot from the outside. And that's what the intention of the melting pot is. It's not for them to be in the pot with you. It's for the white establishment to be outside of the pot while they're mixing up everybody else so that all of your cultures and all of your history and all of your stories get melted away and vanish and bye-bye while they sit there on the top stirring that fucking pot hoping that you won't realize that they're stirring the pot. So melting pot, you need to stop the bullshit. It never existed. It never <laughs> will exist. So I need you to stop the nonsense. Well said. Melting pot, you're done. You're finito. We don't want to hear. You're murdered. You're killed. And we don't want to hear from you anymore. And another word that we're going to eliminate, which because of Rachel Docile, because we spoke about her, I want to pay homage to her by actually eliminating the word that she identifies as, which is transracial. <laughs> what the hell is that? I've heard transgender, which I understand exactly what that means. But transracial, by definition, is supposed to say that you identify as a culture or a race to which you weren't even born in. Nope. So I could be black and say, you know what? I'm transracial now and I'm going to be Indonesian. No, that's not how it works, okay? Nope. If I am born of one race, 
guess what? I'm going to proudly stand in that race. I'm going to embrace who I am and for what I believe in. And you know what? There's a difference between embracing a culture, respecting a culture, and paying homage to a culture. It's very different when you want to take on a completely different race to which you weren't even born into, okay? Yep. And that has no connection or shouldn't even be in the same line of even a thought process as someone that is transgender. So you know what? Transracial, you're done. You're finito. You're dead. Goodbye. You're dead. You're Guess dead. what? Dead. dead. Shot. Boom, boom, boom. It's, it's quite comical. Hey guys, welcome back to the Ground Down Guided Meditation. Today we spoke about cultural appropriation and we had the privilege of speaking to our guests to see their perspective on ways to embrace people's culture correctly. So sit up nice and tall and close your eyes. Lengthen through the crown of the head. Maybe you want to roll the shoulders back. And as you take some deep inhales, deep exhales, maybe you begin to think about ways in which you can embrace people more. How can you open up your heart, open up your mind, and open up your spirit to see individuals for who they are, but just see them as individuals, respecting their differences, and understanding that as a collective, what makes us so special as a human race is that we are a combination of many different races and many different traditions. And that when we come together as a collective, that's how we're bridging love. In the famous words of Martin Luther King Jr., darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So how can you begin to embrace people more? Look them in their eyes and say that I see you. I hear you. I understand you. And I want to learn more about you and the things that shape you for who you are and how you walk in this world. Take another deep inhale through the nose. Deep exhale out. Another deep inhale through the nose. Deep exhale out. And on this last breath, I want you to come back into your body. Maybe you wiggle the fingers and the toes. And when you're ready, open your eyes. I thank you all for joining us for this episode and we look forward to having you back next week. Take care. <laughs>